Amen. Uh, I want to turn your attention to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, and then we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 18, and then we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2. Now, I realize probably everybody here can quote Acts chapter 2, so if you don't want to turn there, that's all right, but nevertheless, we are going to read from there. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 30, if you have it, shout amen. If you're looking at it on the screen, shout amen. Well, praise God. The Bible says, and Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. I I, I want to focus on these two verses particularly because we know what follows after that is Elijah calls the fire down from heaven and it was that great miraculous experience that a lot of us preach about because it's a miraculous story to preach about. Then I want to turn with you to the book of Acts chapter 2 verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting, and it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it set upon each of them. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to try to teach, preach, preach, teach, whatever happens, we'll just see. Uh, on this subject, what causes the fire to fall? Would you say that with me? What causes the fire to fall? Um, I want us to just take a few moments here. I want us to pray before we get into the word of the Lord, but I really feel like God has dealt with me uh, these last few days strongly about what I'm going to try to uh, preach to you, teach to you tonight. I believe we need a demonstration of the Holy Ghost now more than ever. So would you lift your hands, would you bow your heads, whatever you want to do right now, and could you pray with me that God would intervene on this service. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this day and what this day represents and what we have gathered today to do, God. I can reflect all glory unto you. God, use me for the glory of your kingdom. God, put your words in my mouth. Every thought ordained by you, every word written by you, God, let me speak according to your will, God. Lord, just as it was in heaven, Lord, let it be done in earth tonight, God. Lord, I pray, God, that there would be a divine intervention in this service tonight. Lord, my heart got weighted when I saw the needs of the people that lifted their hand during this prayer request time that we had before we came to the Word. I know that you are able to answer every need that is in this room tonight, Jesus. Lord, we need the fire of the Holy Ghost in this service. We need a move of the Holy Ghost in this service. God, I don't want emotion to be what moves us. I don't want the volume of the preacher to be what moves us, God. I want there to be a divine move of the Holy Ghost. God, this world does not need a pretty message anymore. This world does not need another revelation right now. This world needs you. 
you, God. Inspire us, God. Direct us, God, on what it takes, God, to be the difference in this world right now, Lord. I am burdened by the weight of this world. I am weighted by what our world is going through, God. I see the chaos and the calamity and the confusion and everything that our world is going through right now, God. And the world needs the church to be the church right now. So I pray, God, that the fire would fall tonight, Jesus, and that we would have a divine visitation of the Holy Ghost, God. Let the fire hush the naysayers, God. Let the fire hush the murmurers, God. Let the fire, God, convince that you are God and there is no other God besides you. I ask it all in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. Let everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. Wave at your neighbor and say, amen. We're not allowed to high-five anymore, I don't think, so just wave at them. <clears throat> I believe that if all of us looked around here tonight and uh, would come to a general agreement, we would all say that, uh, and, and I, I don't want to start by just pointing neg negative things or negativity on everything that's happening in the world because uh, probably this church has grown to know me enough to know by now that I believe God can do anything. And, uh, but I, I do want to lay a foundation here. I want, I want to make it plain what I feel the Holy Ghost is talking to me tonight. And the point that I'm trying to get across is this. Our world is in a very unique location right now. If you've read the book of Matthew at all, chapter 24 especially, uh, it doesn't take long to realize where we are at. Uh, in the end times, in the times of which we are living in. And I'll leave the Revelation teaching to uh, Bishop Myers, because Lord knows I couldn't scratch the surface compared to you. Uh, but I, I, I believe as a church we understand where we are at. We, we realize that we are coming to a time as the body of Christ where we are understanding that this thing really is wrapping up. I've heard it said kind of like this, we are in the last of the last days, because we've said we're in the last days for a long time, but now we understand we're in the last of the last days. And there are just some things that aren't going to cut it anymore. There are a few things that maybe I have done, or maybe you have done, that it just isn't going to fit the bill for what the world needs right now. We need a divine demonstration in our services like never before. We need what happened this Sunday and what has been happening in these prayer meetings and what has been happening recently in this church and, and probably long. We need that on a day-to-day -day basis. We've got to have the fire fall from heaven. We can't just have normal, ordinary walk with God's any longer. We can't coast on anointings of yesterday anymore. We can't live off stagnant water for another day. There has got to be a demonstration of God for this world right now. The church can't just be a place that we gather. This body has got to become the body. We have to be what the world needs us to be right now. We have got to become that balm of Gilead. We have got to be, to be apt to the fire falling, not just on Sunday, but in our prayer meetings, in our homes on Monday. 
We've got to get beyond our average walk with God. We've got to go to depths we've never been to before and travel to heights we've never seen before. God is calling us as a people. He is calling me. He is saying it's time for us to be the apostolic church. It's time for us to not just say we have faith, but it's time for us to have works at the end of our faith. It's time for us to not just say that God has the power to do some things. It's time for his power to be put on display for the world to see. There is still an answer, and the answer is the church. I believe now more than ever, East Wind, that we are the answer. The world doesn't need another 12-step program. The and, and Well, I'm going to move on past that. But the world doesn't need just another organization. And it doesn't need just another church down the road. The world needs us to be the church. It needs us to be East Twin Pentecostal Church in our neighborhoods. It needs us to be East Twin Pentecostal Church driving down the road. It needs us to be the church. James said, what doeth profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and not works, can faith save him? He said, if a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doeth it profit? This is what James was saying. He was saying, it's like saying, you know what? You're warm even though you're cold. You're full even though you're starving. Go your way. You've been made whole. He said, what is the point of professing that word if the word has no action behind it? And we've got to get to the place to where when we say in Jesus' name. Now, I realize, uh, and I was fortunate enough to do a, a interview for this podcast today called Crosstalk. And I said, I said, I understand that, that sometimes you're going to lay hands on people and it has nothing to do with the fact that I had faith. It's, it's flesh. We're dealing with flesh. I get that. But James was saying, it's time for us to not just say we have faith, it's time for us to have works behind our faith. I believe that the work is the willingness to lay hands on them. Even if they don't recover, at least you're willing to put your hand on their head and say, by the authority of the name of Jesus, be healed. It's the willingness to do the works that God is looking for. And the works are not supposed to be limited to the altar on Sunday morning or Sunday night. But the works need to issue out of the building on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. We need a divine demonstration of the Holy Ghost. He said, one of you say unto them, depart in peace. And we read that. And he said, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. He said, yea, a man say that faith I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Very quoted scripture. 
But I, I, I firmly believe that what James was talking about, Bishop, is not so much it's the always that it's happening because we contend with flesh when we pray for people. Sometimes I'll believe, but maybe they don't believe. That's why we take time in repentance and we try to get the stuff out of the way and we try to get them to get those things and we try to get them to remove their flesh before we lay hands on them and say in Jesus' name. But sometimes the, 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 the repentance or the flesh is in the way. I believe what James was saying, be willing to do the work. Be, be willing when, not just in the church, but when you're, when you're driving down the road and you just get a little unction I need to pull in there and do something that's a work for God or when you're in Walmart or in Target and you you feel a little nudge to the person standing next to you and you're like let me just pray for you they may not get healed right there but it was the fact you were willing to do the work we've got to get willing in this time to do a work for God just a few days ago, Jude and I were driving down the road, and, and I saw this, uh, uh, this young lady walking down the side of the road, and she was weeping. I said, Jude, is she crying? He said, I don't know. I didn't saw her. Bishop, I felt a draw. I, I felt a pull. So, so we turned around, and I drove back by, and he said, bro, she's crying. So we pulled over, and I said, hey, I said, are you okay? And Bishop, she's just weeping. She said, I'm not okay. She started talking about how she got on drugs and, and how once her mother died that she was the only person she had left in the world. This is just a few days ago. She said she was the only person that I had left in the world. So once she passed away, I had no hope. So I got on drugs and I started doing this and I started doing that. And she started talking about all things. She said, I just got out of rehab or, or, or wherever it was. And, and she said, I spent my first night out on the street last night. I've never experienced anything like this. I'm scared. And I never told her I was a preacher or, or, or whatever. And and she said, she said, let me tell you something. She said, just two minutes ago before you pulled over here, I was praying, God, you've got to send me somebody right now. I didn't know that, that she had a need. I just felt a little unction in the Holy Ghost. So I, I said, well, what do you need? She said, could you just drive me to the gas station? That's all I need. I said, absolutely. So June 9th, we got her. We put her in the back seat and we drove her. I said, what do you need? She said, I could really go for a Gatorade. All she wanted was a Gatorade. So we got her a Gatorade and a bottle of water. And then we sent her on her way. And it was just something about that moment. We prayed with her before she left Bishop. And she wept. She wept. She wept. She said, I feel the peace of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if God healed her of whatever she was going on. And I sure hope you don't see that I'm trying to get the glory of the moment. But it was the willingness, Bishop, to say, there's a work that needs to be done. We've got to be apt to at least do the work. God's not calling us just to be another church. We've got to get out into the streets. We've got to get out into those places. This world is crying for help. They may be crying this. They may be crying that. But the issue is sin. The issue is they need the Holy Ghost. The issue is they need what we got. Let's get out there and let's be the revival church that God's called us to be. So the first thing. That causes the fire to fall. That very first thing. Elijah understood it's going to take an altar. We need an altar. So before he ever poured the water, or before he ever called the fire down and proved all the false prophets, that they were false indeed, before any of that ever happened, this is what Elijah does. He says, we got to rebuild this altar. 
And this is what I love about his rebuilding of the altar. He didn't go out and have to get new wood from Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever else you get your wood from. He didn't have to do any of that. Elijah understood something. Everything I need is within arm's reach. So he started rebuilding that altar. He took what was already there. Rebuilding your altar, it doesn't take reinventing the wheel. It doesn't take reinventing prayer itself. It doesn't take reinvent. I wish I had about 500 pieces of wood. I'd build a big old altar right now. It doesn't take any of that. You know how you can start rebuilding your altar? We know that the altar means prayer. The altar means sacrifice. The altar is where we come to lay ourselves and say, I'm going to die here. You know what it took? It took him reaching into what he already had access to. There's not a one of us in this place that doesn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that doesn't have access into a prayer life, uh, that can shift the spiritual atmosphere in your home. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that can't reach down into what you already got and start praying for that lost baby and say, by the authority of the name of Jesus, you don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel. Start with what you do have. He said, I have dealt each of you a measure of faith. Uh, dip into what you already got and just start praying we started we started that seven night revival and God changed things God I have no doubt of the things that shifted in the atmosphere not just for here but all over I have no doubt the spiritual ground that we took in that prayer revival people were healed people were delivered watching online people were, were, were miraculously changed by the power of prayer that's how you rebuild an altar. It didn't take reinventing the wheel. It took us reaching into what we already had access to. And that's exactly what Elijah did. He didn't go out there and try to redo anything. He didn't go out there. He said, everything I need for God to do what God wants to do is in within my hand's reach. Your bishop has taught you how to do this. Your pastor has preached to you how to do this. Everything we need is within arm's reach. Everything we need is right here within ourselves. God's just saying, oh, if I could just get the church to reach into what they already have, to reach Reach out to what they've already got. Everything you need is within arm's reach. Just reach out there and grab it. I read this by G. Beasley Austin. It was powerful. He said, repairing the altar of the Lord. He is the real helper and healer of the people. Who can put his finger upon the root of their sorrow? who discovers the cause of their calamity and defeat. It is little good to peddle about the circumference to remedy this evil, to heal this wound, to satisfy this hunger. All these are but varied forms of a sovereign defect. To find and to heal, which is a supreme necessity, things must be seen first in their proper perspective and dealt with in their imperative sequence before good can be established and welfare made secure some might have said to the prophet elijah why trouble about the altar now submit the final issue decide the great question then build the altar to the certain god but with sure instinct he touched the secret of the nation's sorrows. 
That tiny heap of broken stones is truly the root of all disasters. The reconstruction of life must begin at the point of its insipid overthrow, the altar. What was he saying? He was saying all issues can be pointed to a broken down altar. Maybe they begin to murmur amongst themselves, Bishop, why start there? That's in ruin. That's messed up. Because he understood if an altar can ever get erected in this place, if an altar can ever get put back together, that's when the demonstration of the Holy Ghost will fall. That's why when we pray, we see the miraculous hand of God start healing people through a camera. Because it don't take reinventing the wheel. And Elijah understood that. He said, all I'm going to have to do is reach into these broken down pieces of wood and start putting things back together that was already there. This nation's answer is found in prayer. This nation's answer is found in prayer. Why else would Elijah make this declarative sweeping statement? Come near, he told them. Almost like he had something real important to say. He said, come near. He said, come in close. And the Bible says they came near. They gathered around him. Almost like he was about to make this big, profound, prophetic statement. And watch what he does. He understood they needed to get close. Because I'm fixing to show them where the root of all their problems began. Right when you let that altar get desecrated. When the altar left the church, when the altar left it, that's when things started going crazy. So Elijah said, I don't have to make this loud declarative statement. All I've got to do is start showing you by my action. This is where it all went wrong. When this got broken down, the world needs a church to pray. So Elijah said, come near. And he revealed to them their issue. Didn't get new wood. He reused those things. We all know that the altar represents prayer. It was Abraham that talked with the angel of the Lord. And he spared his family. One man. I was reminded this weekend as Brother Landon Gore was preaching. I was thinking about it. That whole boat was saved. Why? Because one man, Paul, went to prayer. He went to praying, and God gave him a vision on how to save everybody. And just like Brother Landon preached, he stood up right in the middle of all of them and said, y'all don't even worry about this. God's got this in control. Because one man went to praying. God is willing to save many for the prayer few. There is no telling what could take place if we all just got in one mind in one accord and started praying every single day for a divine demonstration we may not meet at the church but if everybody here started saying Lord we're going to break this thing Lord we're going to have apostolic revival and everybody started praying God would say because of the prayer of few I will honor the hearts of many We used the, the text. Brother Myers gave us that word that Sunday night before he began to talk about how the angel uh, uh, stayed his hand and, and all of that took place. But, but I, I continued to read that today in study. And you know what I saw? The Bible says that, the, that David went to a threshing floor and he built an altar unto the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. And watch what it says in 24 and 25 of 2 Samuel. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord 
Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Watch what happens uh, when altars that were destroyed uh, and they get rebuilt. When altars begin to get built in places, God says, I can stay the hand of anything when my people are willing to pray. The altar is the only answer that we have. The second point that I want to make was the next part of that. The Bible says that he took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob. You got to understand something in this time that there was a massive like uh, a war pretty much they, that, that Judah and Israel, they hated one another. That, that, they were, that they were literally against each other. That although they should have realized they were one big family, this side hated this side. They were physically and, and, and against one another. There was no unity among the brethren. So watch what Elijah does to remind them you're one big family. Just like God told, Mo, God told uh, Joshua after they went across Jordan. And he said, go back and put 12 stones as a memorial and tell them the things that God had done for you. Watch what Elijah does. He says, I need to remind this people, you're not supposed to hate each other. You're supposed to remember you started as 12 brothers. You started as one big family. You started as brothers that grew up in the same house, eating around the same table. You all loved one another. And watch what he does. He says, I'm going to show you what it means to be a family again. He didn't have to say a single word. All he had to do was get those 12 stones. And with that, he reminded the people, you were all family at one point. The second thing that we got to have for the fire to fall is unity. Prayer first by rebuilding the altar. The second thing you got to have for the fire to fall, Bishop, is unity. A spirit of togetherness. A spirit of love one to another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you show forth love one to another. That's how we understand that this is a church that is baptized in the name of Jesus. This world has never been so divided. The American nation that we are, this beautiful country that we all love, is split right down the middle. It's disunity. People hating each other. People warring against each other. This group hates this group. That group hates that group. This group can't stand that group. Well, we don't, we don't hang out with them because they're that. Well, Christ died for all. So the church is supposed to have an attitude of, I love you. I don't love what you're doing, but I love you. I don't agree with how you're living, but I love you. This is supposed to be a place of unity. That's why Elijah started with the stones. You used to be a family. Anybody's welcome into the house of God. Red, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in his sight. Whether you're gay, you're lesbian, you're transgender, none of that matters. No, we don't agree with how you're living. But we love you anyhow. Let me teach you how to get to heaven because I don't want to watch you burn in hell. I sure don't want to get to heaven and see somebody that I saw at Walmart uh, and they hear these words, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, you had a chance to be witness to, uh, but they were too busy. Love one to another. We 
got to have love. This has got to be a place of unity, a place of togetherness, a place of getting along. You can't let discord in the body. You can't let hate in the body. You can't let those things in the body. I don't care what group you associate with. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you at or in the economy. I don't care how much your bank account has. I don't care what your past says. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. And you watch what the world's going to start doing. Because nobody can get along outside these doors, it seems like. Nobody. You can't even stand next to anybody anymore. So where should they be finding that spirit of love now? They should be able to walk next to a child of God and say, Oh, there's something different about you. I feel hate everywhere I go. But something about you, I just feel like you love me, but you don't know me. There's a peace kind of exuding. Yeah, that's called the fruit of the spirit. Peace is one of those. I've got the spirit, so the fruit that I bear is peace and love and joy and temperance and long-suffering. These are some of the things that I bear everywhere I walk. Uh, even though the world is hate and discord and disunity and everything else, let me show you what Jesus did for me. was in the book of Acts the Bible says they were all in one mind one accord doing one thing there was unity and what else were they doing praying without ceasing the two things that I feel tonight and I'm sure that there are others but this is what I felt the Holy Ghost talked to me about for tonight what causes the fire to fall prayer and unity prayer and unity it was in the upper room. They prayed. They did it together. They were in unity. They were in agreement, Bishop. We're not leaving here until the promise that was promised before he ascended comes into this room. They had a unified agreement. We need this promise for our lives. They agreed that within themselves. This is what we need. So after they got done with that agreement, they all went up into that upper room. They got there. They were in one mind. They were in one accord. And they all started praying. They were unified and they were praying. And as they were praying, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it set upon each of them. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like it as unto a fire. How's the fire going to fall in this world right now? How are we going to have this revival? How are we going to get it out outside these doors and into this city and all across this world? I know that this is a church that doesn't just reach for this city. This church reaches all across the world. And this is what I felt like the Lord showed me today. After they were unified, after they were in one mind and one accord, and the Holy Ghost fell, that fire fell. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 5, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Think about that. Every nation under heaven was represented there. That's quite a few nations. Every nationality and tongue had hit their cross section there. And this was what was taking place. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded. When the fire falls, the multitude comes together. And they were confounded. And as they were confounded, because that they heard every man speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying unto one another, Behold, 
Are not all these which speak Galileans? How now hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? How is this one small group that should all be speaking the same language, all speaking in our native tongue? And Bishop, this is what I felt the Holy Ghost kind of prompt me tonight. When the fire falls and the Holy Ghost shows up, he said, I'll take care how to get them together and bring them near so that they can hear it preached. But we got to have the fire fall. And when the fire falls and the Holy Ghost shows up, it'll just start flowing out those doors. And it'll make its way out those doors and it'll start going down the street. And all of a sudden people will be saying, boy, there's something happening at East Wind. He said, I'll take care how to get them here as long as you can get my presence there. I'll give you one last example and then I'm closing. Ezekiel, I believe it's, uh, I don't want to quote it to you wrong. I believe it's 47. Ezekiel 47, the Bible says that the prophet saw that there was a water in the temple. It started in the temple is what the Bible says. And then the water issued out of the temple. And as the water issued out of the temple, the Bible said that it started as like a little stream, just real small. But where did it actually start? In the temple. So it started in the temple. If you Read Ezekiel 47 if you, when you go home, if you don't believe what I'm saying. It started right here. And then all of a sudden it broke out of a door. And when it broke out that door, it started going down. And it made this little creek that he could walk through. He said, it was to my ankles. And then the Bible says that he stretched. Well, the Bible said that he measured, but that word measured means stretch. It's the same word that Elijah, uh, uh, same, same Greek word that Elijah used, Hadad, which means that he uh, uh, stretched over the dead child. I want to say in second, uh, first Kings 17 or something like that. When the child was dead, he stretched over and it come to life. It's that same word, Hadad. So he, he measured or he, he stretched, he, 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 he exposed himself. And after he stretched, the Bible says that the water went to the knee. And then after he stretched again, the water went to the waist. And after he stretched again, the water went to. And then it says it become a river that I could not pass over. And then the Bible says he left. And when he left, the Bible says that God literally went and got him. And brought him back. And brought him, the Bible says, to the brink of the river. And he started looking. He said, those trees weren't there last time. And then the Bible starts talking about a multitude of fishes that he began to see in the river. Well, he wants to make us fishers of men, right? So it was a representation of the harvest or the revival. And so he starts saying, he says, there's fruit on them trees. And then he starts saying, everywhere this river runs, healing was going to follow. And signs and wonders is going to be there. He starts saying, everywhere this river goes. So it brought me back to the book of Acts. It ran out of that upper room. And those people started hearing some things in their own language. He said, I'll take care how to get them here if you can just get my presence there. And when my presence shows up, it'll go out the doors and it'll make its way down Malabar. And it'll make its way down Palm Bay Road. And it'll make its way down 95. And all of a sudden, people are going to start saying, my Lord, have mercy. What is going on here? What is taking place? God will just start bringing them in. And we'll just start saying, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Everything that's going on in this world. He is poising us for in time apostolic revival. And what we're going to do it is the fire's got to fall. How's the fire going to fall? Prayer and unity.
the fire to fall. Lord, we need the Holy Ghost to erupt. Lord, we need a demonstration in our services. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost consume us when we wake up in the morning. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost consume us when we're at Walmart or at Target or at Chick-fil-A or anywhere else we go. And all of a sudden we feel that prompting of the Holy Ghost. And somebody starts feeling that water flowing. And they say there's something different about you. Yeah, the fire has been falling around me. Let me take you to a man who told me all the things that I know. Just stand with me, I'm done. That's what I'm talking about. What's flowing in here right now? We need divine interruptions. We need the Holy Ghost to say, you said enough, preacher. Now let me do my job and show you what kind of move I can come up with. And we just look back and say, the glory of the Lord has filled this house. Lord, I don't need to preach a pretty sermon. I need the glory to fall in these rooms. Lord, we need the glory. We need the Shekinah glory. Come on, the presence of the Lord is here. I've got nothing more to say. Would you just throw your hands up right now? And would you talk to the Lord for a moment? You don't need anything else said. We just need to talk to the Lord. His presence is here. This is what the world needs right here. They don't need another program. They don't need another fancy message. They don't need anything else. They just need apostolics to be sensitive to the wind of glory that just moved in here and say, we're ready to have a move of God. We're ready to have a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. This is what we're about. We're about demonstration. We're about the power of the Holy Ghost filling the room where we are sitting. And suddenly they couldn't sit still. And suddenly they couldn't contain themselves. Lord, right now, I speak to every sickness that is represented in this room. I command every sickness to be dried up in their seats. They don't have to come to this altar, and you don't have to lay a hand on them. I pray right now where they are standing or sitting that the power of the Holy Ghost would drive up every ounce of sickness that is in their body. I pray by the power of the that the power of the Holy Ghost would dry up every cancer cell, would dry up every bit of diabetes, would dry up every bit of bone issue would dry up every bit of heart issue I speak to every mental issue in this room I command you to leave by the authority of the name of Jesus this is what we're about an apostolic move of the Holy Ghost Come on, that's it. 
The power of the Holy Ghost is here. The fire's falling. This is what it's got to be about. Oh God. I challenge every person that lifted their hand that had a need at the beginning of this service. I challenge you to extend your hand right now to heaven. And I'm challenging you not just to pray, but I'm challenging you to command it to leave your body right now. Come on, we're going to be apostolic for the next few moments. I challenge you right where you're at. You want to lay hands on yourself, go ahead. But I challenge you to command it to leave your home. Command it to leave your body. Command it to leave your life right now. There is a demonstration and a work of the Holy Ghost that is in this room right now. And if you would command some things to leave right now, don't ask it to. Don't say please. Don't say maybe. Say I command you by the authority of the name of Jesus. Leave my body. Leave my home. Leave my family. Darkness, leave this church alone. Darkness, leave this city alone. The spiritual darkness that is behind this virus. I command it to be broken. Come on. It's tried to creep into your home. It's tried to creep into your family. You are the light of the world. You are the city set upon a hill and not be hid. I speak the light of Calvary into this body. I speak the light of Calvary into every dark corner of your mind right now. Lobo Shatalaba. Come on, it's 8.18. Would you just pray for a few more moments? I'm going to lay this microphone down. I want you to do what you feel. If you want to get out and just walk around a little bit and pray like we did in the prayer revival, I'll encourage that. If you just want to sit back down and throw your hands up, I encourage that. Just do whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is here. I want you to just do whatever you feel right now for the next few moments. Come on. The power of God has fallen in this room. I'm telling you, people are going to leave here healed tonight. Not because of anything other than the fire of the Holy Ghost is here. And where the fire is things begin to happen. Uh, come on, this is what we're preaching about. This is what the world needs right here. Uh, God's confirming his word tonight. Uh, the fire of the Holy Ghost is what they need. Yes, Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. Somebody rebuild an altar in your life tonight. I feel like I need to say that somebody here needs to pick up some old wood uh, that used to be built in your life. Uh, and you need to build that altar back up again. Uh, before you leave here, you need to have that wood piled up. Uh, and those stones that have been hewed out by God, you need to put them up on the altar and say, this is an altar unto the Lord. Uh, this is where sacrifice happens. Uh, this is where the fire of the Holy Ghost falls. Uh, come on, there needs to be some altars rebuilt over here in the next few moments.
Whenever you're ready, you're dismissed. But however long you want to stay and pray, it's completely up to you. It's 821 right now in case you wanted to know. If you want to leave, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. But as long as you want to pray and be in this presence, go ahead. I'm telling you, there's a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in this room right now.